Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod, and I am alone this morning. Chris, unfortunately, could not join us for this Friday morning news episode, but that doesn't mean that the news stops. We still have a lot to talk about, but before we get to anything... Let's get into the weather as we normally would. So in Los Angeles, California, expect mostly clear skies today with a high of 65 with a clear weekend. In Houston, Texas, expect mostly clear skies once again with a high of 84 and a partly cloudy weekend. In Chicago, Illinois, it will be raining today with a high of 62 degrees and expect some wind and rain throughout the weekend. And in New York City, expect mostly clear skies again uh, with a high of 68 degrees and a part cloudy weekend so um normally chris and i as you know per these past few weeks especially would get into a, a conversation about you know some poll that he found and all this but i actually had the poll today and unfortunately i have to discuss this one by myself this would be a, a great one to talk about with chris but you know what i found this and i found it very interesting and wanted to share that this morning so a new survey of 2,000 people seems to indicate that there might be some connection between your candy preferences and your personality. So, according to this survey, 59% of people that prefer sour candies believe that they are extroverted as well as eccentric, funny, and sarcastic. You know, at the same time, we have chocolate lovers. 76% of chocolate lovers said that they are optimistic, while 67% of them also said that they were very shy. And mint lovers, by a 78% majority, said that they are very thoughtful. Now, there is more to this. The poll, also, The survey also shows that People who eat candy every day are a lot more likely to be night owls rather than early birds, with the percentages there being 43% for the night owls and 17% for the early birds. And according to this survey, 75% of respondents said that they eat candy at least once a week, with 27% saying that they eat it every single day. There were also more specific uh, areas of this survey because this survey was conducted by Jelly Belly. Uh, they decided to ask people uh, their about their favorite jelly bean flavor and you know the character traits that kind of matched up with that. So sour lemon jelly bean fans had a ranking of sixty nine percent who said that they were very honest people. In terms of like age on this survey, 20% of baby boomers said that li the black licorice jelly beans were their favorite flavor, while only 6% of Gen Z respondents said that black licorice was their favorite. Uh, this is very interesting for me. I am one of those people that loves black licorice jelly beans. I... You know, it's one of those polarizing things, uh, but I absolutely love them. I love licorice in general. The only licorice I can't get behind, oddly enough, is Twizzlers. You know, I can't get into Twizzlers. I can't get into, like, their flavor or anything, because to me, they don't really have much of a flavor. Um, 
but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the black licorice jelly beans. Definitely would not turn those down. As for pear jelly bean lovers, 60% of them say that they are very eccentric. With 68% of cherry jelly bean lovers and 59% of buttered popcorn lovers saying the same thing. Now, mind you, the fact that there is a fan base for the buttered popcorn jelly bean kind of scares me a little. And I, it might it might be good. Honestly, I may have had the buttered popcorn jelly bean and not even known. I don't really know. Um, <laughs> but... The fact that there's like a, a an entire group of people that say that the buttered popcorn one is their favorite just sounds so strange to me. Uh, but there are some other statistics in here. Orange jelly bean lovers say that they like to volunteer in their free time. About 66% of uh, the orange jelly bean fans say that. And 79% of people that said that the cherry ones are their favorite said that they are very introverted. So, you know, some very interesting statistics here um, when it comes to flavors and, like, candy types versus personality. And it's kind of crazy to see these percentages because they're so high and it really does make you wonder if there is some kind of connection between the two, you know? <laughs> For me, though, it's interesting. You know, I sit here and I read these stats and all that. And I'm a huge fan of pretty much any candy type. I don't know as if I really have a favorite. Some days I really love chocolate. Some days I'm really feeling something fruity um, or sour or whatever else. So it's very interesting to look at these stats and it makes me wonder which parts of uh, my personality fit with these, you know. What candies speak to me the most? But... uh <laughs> I thought this was really interesting, really kind of enlightening and cool to see that there may actually be some kind of connection between the two. Maybe not a total connection, but at least like a, a semi-connection. But that being said, with all of that in mind, we do have news to get into this morning. And we start off talking about the Capitol evacuation that took place on Wednesday night. Congress members and Capitol staff were sent into a panic after an evacuation alert was triggered on Wednesday night. It was just after 6.30 p.m. Wednesday evening when the entire Capitol complex was evacuated due to an aircraft being tracked as a possible threat. It was almost 15 minutes later when it was discovered that the aircraft was no threat at all. It was learned that the aircraft was carrying members of the U.S. Army Golden Knights who flew over the home ballpark of the Washington Nationals and parachuted onto the field as an act for Military Appreciation Day. According to updates given on the investigation, the plane took off from Joint Base Andrews in Maryland and was circling over the Capitol, which is a highly restricted airspace. It was then that the alert to evacuate the Capitol was sent. It was also noted that the plane remained outside of the prohibited airspace surrounding the Capitol building as well as other government buildings at all times. It never went into that prohibited airspace. Investigators said in a preliminary review that it is possible that the pilot took off without proper clearance or that the proper procedure was not followed during the takeoff process. It was also noted that the pilot was in contact and coordinating with the tower at the nearby Ronald Reagan Airport. 
While Capital Law Enforcement initially blamed the Department of Defense for the lack of communication, the investigation as well as officials are now looking more towards the FAA as to what went wrong. In a statement that night, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, quote, The Federal Aviation Administration's apparent failure to notify Capitol Police of the pre-planned fly over National Stadium is outrageous and inexcusable, end quote, and added, quote, Congress looks forward to reviewing the results of a thorough after-action review that determined what exactly went wrong today and who at the Federal Aviation Administration will be held accountable for this outrageous and frightening mistake, end quote. In their own statements, the FAA and the U.S. Army Recruiting Command said that thorough reviews would be conducted to determine what went wrong. The Capitol Complex resumed normal activities a little past 8 p.m. On Monday, the TSA announced that it would no longer be enforcing the federal masking mandate for public transportation. This came after U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Mazel struck down the policy put into place by the CDC. Mazel stated that the CDC has failed to justify its decision in extending the mandate, which was originally supposed to go until May 3rd, and did not follow the proper procedures when putting it into place, leaving it with flaws that could not be fixed. This led to a nationwide end of the mandate, and the response has been mixed. Many major airlines, such as Delta and United Airlines, have ended their mandates for domestic flights and some international flights, with many passengers finding out mid-flight. Los Angeles International Airport, the fifth largest airport in the world by passenger volume, has also ended their mandate. Meanwhile, the New York City public transit system stated that they plan to keep their mandate in place for the time being. The Association of Flight Attendants has taken a neutral position on the matter, with the union leader Sarah Nelson calling for calm, stating, quote, The last thing we need for workers on the front lines or passengers traveling today is confusion and chaos, end quote. On Tuesday, the Department of Justice had put out a statement saying that they were not planning to appeal the decision unless the CDC felt that it was completely necessary to do so. But then on Wednesday evening, the CDC urged the Department of Justice to take action, with later reports confirming that the DOJ would be appealing the ruling following that decision. In the meantime, the mandate will be on halt, but the CDC is still urging Americans to keep their masks on while traveling, stating that it is key for the public health of the nation. It should also be noted that the White House is still mandating masks for anyone that flies with the president aboard Air Force One. On Thursday morning, President Biden announced another aid package that would be sent to Ukraine to aid in their fight against Russia. This package, like the last, totals $800 million and includes more heavy artillery weaponry. Specifically, it includes more heavy artillery weapons, dozens of howitzers, 144,000 rounds of ammunition to go with the howitzers, and more tactical drones. Along with this support, President Biden announced an additional $500 million that would be sent in direct economic aid to the Ukrainian government. Within those remarks, the president noted that the money approved by Congress last month for Ukraine was almost completely exhausted. To try and avoid a halt 
in the flow of weapons and economic aid, President Biden said that he plans to send a supplemental budget request to Congress next week to get more funds. However, with this latest disbursement, I've almost exhausted the drawdown authority I have that Congress authorized for Ukraine in a bipartisan spending bill last month. In order to sustain Ukraine for the duration of this fight, next week I'm going to have to be sending to Congress a supplemental budget request to keep weapons and ammunition flowing without interruption to the brave Ukrainian fighters and continue to deliver economic assistance to the Ukrainian people. Hope, and I, my hope is, and my expectation is, Congress would move and act quickly. The president had two other announcements as well. The first was the authorization of a ban of any Russian-affiliated ships from docking on U.S. ports. That means that any ship sailing under the Russian flag would not be allowed to land or dock in U.S. ports. This is a move that is very similar to one made across NATO countries in Europe. The other announcement was for a new program that would be used to allow Ukrainian refugees to come straight to the U.S. from Europe without having to worry about going through the southern border. The program would allow Ukrainians with a U.S. sponsor, such as a family or NGO, to acquire things such as immigrant visas and refugee processing in a quick, streamlined process. President Biden closed his remarks by again calling on the United States and its allies to remain united so that Russia could be stopped and this war could come to an end. Getting into rapid news, Elon Musk has continued his push to acquire Twitter, announcing Thursday that he has $46.5 billion in financing at the ready as negotiations continue. And for my good news story this morning, we have a 94-year-old World War II veteran who has seen aid come in from all around the country after his home burned down last month. Paul Roberts, a Marine during World War II, was forced to flee his home after a fire started and it burned to the ground. Luckily, he escaped uninjured, but his home was completely destroyed. There was nothing uh, savable from it, nothing salvageable. But his neighbors, family, and people he has never met have all come together to help him rebuild his life and to help him uh, stay safe and supported. Over $120,000 has been donated through a GoFundMe page for him with a lot of messages saying things like, thank you for serving our country. A lot of Marines have chipped in with donations, and so everyone is doing what they can to help support Roberts and to help him rebuild his life. The kind of cool thing about this, too, is that Roberts has honestly remained you know very optimistic despite his home burning down uh just having a good attitude and just taking things as they go saying that you can't just continue to mope around about it you have to live with it it's you know it's there it's with you you have to deal with it uh so he's just thankful for being alive thankful that he is okay and is continuing to move forward but this was just a really cool story in my book because it, it's just one of those things where you see people's generosity um, despite everything that's going on right now. You know, things have continued to be tough, especially if you look economically. Um, and yet people are still 
chipping in wherever they can and still helping people through things like this. You know, over $120,000 being raised for Roberts. That's huge. That's a huge amount. And with family support and support from his neighbors, you get that real, you know, just community feeling and that real huge family feeling overall. And his optimism is amazing as well. His optimism throughout all of this is just absolutely impressive. I know if I was in his situation, you know, I'm 94, my house burns down. I, I don't think I'd be too happy, but who knows? Who knows? Um, but that is the end of this Friday morning episode. Make sure to come back Sunday morning for a What to Expect This Week episode and on Monday for a wrap-up in your weekend news. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter, link in the show notes as always, and check out our midterm articles, that link's also in the show notes. But until Sunday, that's it for me, you guys. We'll see you then.